Yeah, gain that shit, baby. Gain that shit. What's up, y'all? Welcome into another episode of Rabbit Hole Sessions. It's Tyler on demand right here. Jimothy McMoney, James Valdez on the other yeah. end. What's up, brother? I'm coming <laughs> with up? new nicknames every time, man. Jimothy I'm a- McMoney. Tight. It's yeah, probably the most creative thing I have to do during the week is think, what's the new name I'm going to call James that can make him like <laughs> do that little laugh smirk? <laughs> when are you going to yeah. stop saying like Jimbo or Jim type? Jimbo Slice. Jimbo Slice has been there. That's a staple. And I don't know. The problem is, Jason, there's not much else I can do. Like, Jameson Mm. is kind of it for the James (laughs) ones. (laughs) Jamothy doesn't sound good. Jimothy, that's good. Anyway. Never call me Jamothy. (laughs) Jamothy? Good Lord. (laughs) Well, we also have another special guest, uh, other than James's multiple personas on this episode. We've got Rory JLW. Joining us Rory from the JLW. beam. What's going on, brother? A repeat guest on the podcast, by the way. The last time James and Emilio weren't there for that, but this was way back, like episode 14 or something. Back yeah, that was beam. a minute. I think it was like uh, middle of summer last yeah, year. Yeah, that's where you're living at your old place in the East End, I think. Like, or that Yeah, was, East uh, Boston. Yeah, so that was a while ago. And I was just listening back. It's, fu- it's funny because in the beginning of that episode, we talk about just making music, and mm-hmm. some of that music is some of the stuff we're coming out with and what we're yeah. going to be releasing. Oh, yeah, it was, I, I think it was it? tomorrow yeah. morning. I think it was, like, the first version. Yeah, yeah, this has been in the works for a minute. We, yeah, we, we, that, we decided uh, that, like, the end of this little experiment what I was, uh, that I was doing at the time was just such a fantastic looped sample mm. um, that, uh, th- that's what, like, uh, inspired us to go back into the archives and kind of just, like, select a few beats that I um, just had left on the back burner. Mm. And uh, we came, we came up with four pretty good tracks. I agree. So I'm very happy to be uh, working on this project with you. We finished with this project, and Absolutely. You know, we're working on releasing it now. And what we're talking about is an EP that Rory and I are coming with. Rory's a producer. He's a musician. If you've heard the last episode, you know him. We'll get more into his background and just creative realms and the creation of this tape as well. But we're talking about the Central Heat EP, a little four-track EP that Rory and I made over the course of how long? Like a month, two months, three months? Yeah, it took about three months, I'd say. During that, in the COVID quarantine time when everyone was going crazy, including us, that was definitely a good way to uh, channel the craziness into something. So that's coming, what, July 16th? And uh, July 16th, and that's July 16th, that's our release date. Two Fridays from now. And so, yeah, we wanted to have Rory on to talk about that, the music, the project, and all that. Wait, you said it was called Central Heat? Central Heat, baby. Where'd that come from? Rory? Well, uh, that is a good question. I can tell you the origin story. Um, I I live in a basement. Um, in Brighton, uh, it, it's it's like a finished basement, and like you know, the, the owner of the house knows I'm here. It's not like one of those uh, <laughs> guy living on the wall situations. Not a squatter. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even if it was, I I probably wouldn't tell you. So you know, believe what you want to believe. True. But uh, at any rate, um, my wall is right next to uh, the central heat. It's like a really old building, uh, and we got like all like gas and steam heat. And my room is always ve- uh, very nice and toasty. Yeah. Um, and during the summer, it's nice and cool because it's a it's a basement. But uh, at the time, it was pretty toasty, and so we were like going through. Uh, we were like we were going through names, and we just thought like Central Heat sounded pretty tight. Since I set up a little homemade studio uh, right in my room, uh, right next to that boiler. Yeah. Uh, nice. So, yeah. Central Heat EP. Yeah, There's your origin story. I think because also when people hear the tape, they'll hear this. And James, maybe you've heard the song, so maybe this will make some sense. But the songs themselves. I don't really feel like are too related to each other, but the whole tape is related as in they were all made in this same space and mindset and like time frame. And so we were trying to think, okay, so what encapsulates all of this together? It's not really one through theme. So what can we say that our uh, words or titles have to do with the vibe or the setting? And I remember just going through like different 
apartment type names and like just yeah to we had many things. silly iterations dude i think like basement bumps was something and we were <laughs> basement like bumps, uh, yeah. that sounds yeah, like yeah. herpes we don't yeah <laughs> we yeah, yeah. It sound, yeah. yeah that's that gross. sounds like the, something you do at your first uh, theater after party oh uh-huh. let's do the basement bump take two <laughs> yeah. the basement bump yeah but yeah. no yeah. something i did notice about each song was they were they were pretty unique compared to each other yeah, and I definitely think that I, for, from my uh, side of it, from the creative side, this is was the most experimental music I've made so far in wow. terms of body of work and in terms of being within hip-hop but still expanding the realms. I mean, ask Rory, before every session, we'd spend maybe like 10, 15 minutes listening to some shit, and a lot of the times, Rory would just be pulling some sh- random shit off SoundCloud, like from <laughs> Russia, that I'd never yeah. heard before, what? and I was like, what? We did listen fuck? to one hard bass song. Um, it has nothing to do with the EP, but like that's that's how far we'd go. But <laughs> yeah, Exactly, but that's yeah. just to say, like, there was, so there was yeah. a range of influences included here, like just by, by virtue of what we were both bringing to the table, because Rory has... And he'll talk about it himself, but he's got like a lot of uh, musical interests. It's it spans a wide thing, and again, I think you can hear that in the production. So for me, it was really cool to hear some of the shit like "Know Nothing." I love this one, and be like, "Yo!" And, and maybe James, again, you've heard my music, so maybe you could tell this. But I feel like the first two songs are definitely more of that Rory influence, and I'm trying something new. And then the second two, "Emeralds" and "Tomorrow Morning," are more like something you might hear like in my discography. That's so, like. Exactly it was how I saw, I saw it. I was like, wow, okay, I've never heard Tyler rap like this. And then right. I think um, I listened to t- Tomorrow Morning, the third one. And I was like, okay, okay. this is Tyler. This is <laughs> right, this exactly. Is and Roy, I don't know, what, did you, what do you think about that Like part of the process? Did you feel similar? Um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have, like, released this uh, project, you know, with, without Tyler. I greatly appreciate uh, him as a collaborator. Uh, so do I, brother. Gotta, gotta it's great. My, yeah, got to give my boy the big ups. Thank you. Um uh, but I like, I think, um, I think limitations are actually one of the best things that you can, uh, uh apply to your work to mm. get a good result. Mm. Um, now this is not to say that like a, a lyricist, um, will give you, uh, limitations. I think, I think what I'm trying to say is that, uh, if you have like something to work off of, uh, I don't know, like try, try constructing a building without a blueprint. Mm. It's going to be pretty hard. Right. Um, Tyler's lyricism gives me uh, gives me sort of a blueprint to work with. Um, you know, he has a he has a unique style. Um, he's a very very talented rapper, and oh. so what I can do um, is I can say, all right, well, I'll I'll look at his discography a little bit, or I'll just like m- mostly what we did is like Tyler will show me some bars that he was working on, mm. uh, and I'll go, okay, I have I have like some maybe somewhat niche interests uh, when it comes to music. Um, how can I apply elements from stuff like bass music, uh, experimental trap, um, and like really old school hip hop? How, how could I make his voice work with that? Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, how can I stylize it to kind of make it sound more like myself? Because I think that the hallmark of a, the hallmark of a great artist is if you can listen to it and go, oh yeah, that's that person. Mm. That's that person. Right. Like, for good or for bad. See, yeah. yeah. Distinction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mm. I mean, hey, like some people hate the sound of Death Grips, but I just <laughs> a lot of people song, do. You know, you know who that is. Yeah. You if you don't your... like Death Grips, you're fucking wrong. All right, you're fucking wrong. Shame on you. You know, I, I just I like the concept of Death Grips. I just haven't been able to listen. to All right, this yeah, podcast is over. Yeah. Yeah. Podcast I, I, is over. Hey, I'm just saying. As it stuck I, with I me. Understand, <laughs> I understand why people listen to it. Yeah, I so don't know no, if I, I could I could listen to that in the morning. I would go to a concert. I would go for like the experience and the concept of it. Like that would be nuts. I don't know if I could just sit around though and listen to it. You'd be lucky if they showed up though. 
Oh, do oh they like, do that? like one of Death Grip, get, uh, one of Death Grip's uh, gimmicks. I, I don't know how many times this happened, but there's like this one very specific uh, incident. Kind of like, you know, when, when MF Doom would sometimes show up to show, like yeah, he wouldn't show up to shows, Doom he would bots. just do... Right. Yeah, he just... It's the like Doom bots. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Death Grips did this, but um, I, I think what happened during this show is that they sold a bunch of tickets at a venue, um, and then uh, people start to show up, and it's just like a drum kit with a laptop on top of it. Nice. <laughs> and it's just there for an hour. <laughs> oh, wait. And it just played music or nobody showed up? I, th- I think that's what happened. Like, the Death Grips just didn't show up. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> yeah. And oh I think the, 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 the quote that they gave out in response to that was, part. yeah, we're not really like a, we're not really a band. We're more of an art project. Whoa. Oh, so they're saying we don't have commitment to come and perform. We have commitment to give you an art you pay statement. For whatever experience you get. So if Whoa, you show yeah. up and you get that laptop and drum kit, you better be fucking happy. That's Dude, a, that's your experience. That concept Or they just got fucking high yeah. and don't want to come to the show. Like, <laughs> like, it's, it's a great it's a mix even of both. Just, if it's a cop out, I do respect it. Oh my god, I guess it's a mix of both. Shout out to Death Grips, I guess. Shout out to Death that Grips. That is bold yeah. to say the least. James, were you gonna ask a question before we got down that? Yeah, uh, well, I was. Um because yeah, especially in music, I feel like it's easier to have a sound that's uh, idiosyncratic to you, right? Mm, compared to other arts. Um, interesting. Do you, how would you define like your style? That's uh, for both of y'all, actually. Uh, yeah. Oh, that's good. Uh, so do, you, do you want to take it first? Do you want no, me to no, you go, you go. Okay. <laughs> you, no, um, you go about first. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm not humble. Well, yeah, I'm I just, mean, you know, like every, uh, like every, uh, you know, every person is like the sum of their uh, experiences, mm. um, and I kind of think that uh, art, you know, behaves the same way. It's our, it's, it's uh, the medium via which we express ourselves. And so, if I didn't really have artists to, you know, listen to, I don't really know what I'd come up with. Um, uh, I am mostly um, my influences. Mm. Uh, if I try not to. If I don't like love music that I'm that I make it making, I just don't I just don't finish making it. Right. Mm. Uh, yeah. I, I guess I I guess the best way to answer this question would be like to talk about my influences and talk about like what uh, elements of music like intrigue me or mm. or uh, like you know make make my heart beat. You know? Yeah. Yes. Um, I uh, really really enjoy uh, electronic, uh, specifically bass music. Um, there's not really a big uh, EDM scene out in Boston uh, because it, the I don't know like the way the the way the venues in Boston and the way the art scene works in Boston it's not it's not very um, conducive to an EDM scene mm. um, and I, so I I would always I would always be listening. To Why it. is that not enough I, Molly? Not enough, <laughs> oh no, there's, there's oh I assure you there is plenty, of Molly. but uh, uh, yeah that's that, that, that's a good question. Um, it's uh. I think it's because you need, I mean, you need access to like certain spaces. Mm. Um, like in LA, a big thing is warehouse shows, you know, right. there's the land is a land. Is or even outdoor ones too. Like Boston, yeah, outdoor outdoor venues outdoor and shit. Boston, Boston's really, Boston's really tiny. And it's you know, cold and a city most like, of the time. Yeah, 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 exactly. And a city like New York, you know, you also have that, uh, like space is a, like space is a commodity. It's kind of hard to come by. Right. Um, but you know, it has a big enough population and uh, a huge groundswell of uh, 
you know, like new uh, recording companies and stuff. It, it's large enough that you can go there and find something. Mm-hmm. You can still find EDM in Boston, but uh, it's it's a much smaller scene. So, the, sorry, the way that we got here is uh, I was, I <laughs> oh, was talking about fine. how... No, yeah. Yeah, good yeah, yeah, context, yeah. <laughs> man. Rabbit hole sessions for a reason. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, rabbit hole. Ooh, I like that. See, yeah, see how we do. Okay, so... Um, uh, the groups I liked listening to the most and like still are still are on right now. I like uh, specifically like Saruta, Genghis, uh, Great Dane. These are all people from a group called Team Supreme. Okay. And they make electronic music like I've never heard before. Um, hmm. When I was growing up, I sang in um, choir and that gave me an appreciation for uh, very complex chord structures. Um, I really, really, really enjoy... Um, uh, like old gospel, I really enjoy uh, non secular music. As a matter of fact, I would uh, I was singing a lot of religious music, even though I didn't really grow up in a, a religious community. Right. And when you when you're in a church and you're hearing notes resonate off the walls, uh, you you understand uh, what people perceive the presence of God to be. Oh, uh, it's it's I utterly like that. just utterly beautiful. So there, I like music that has uh, mm. complex chord structures. I like music that has a lot of dissonance. Um, if I hear, you know, a chord progression that I see reflected in a lot of other, uh, in a lot of popular music, I would say, um, uh, I, I kind of diverge from it Mm. because I've, I've heard it so many times that it starts to sound kind of like the same song. Um, and what I liked about, uh, Team Supreme and the, like these, this subset of, uh, electronic artists are that they use synthesizers in a way that kind of speaks to me in the same way that that choral music did. Right. Uh, mm, it's I like see. it's very, very, very complete and very unpredictable and a little bit like mourning. Um, and this and the subsections of the songs uh, are uh, usually, you know, mixed in, in, in some way with, uh, you know, very, uh, very heavy bass elements, uh, very like distorted uh, synthesizers. Yep. So you can... Uh, kind of divvy up these uh, divvy up these songs that I listen to into uh, unique parts and it, it's also it's also nice to have that distinction between the sections because that, that helps you produce like you can say mm-hmm. okay this sound is that this sound is that uh, this sound is that so you um, like to orchestrate when you listen and produce like you like to take the pieces yeah. and really craft the pockets it seems yeah yeah and that can sometimes lead to your downfall because like being that meticulous means that you're, you're sometimes going to jump out of the flow right um, right uh i i will oftentimes like build synthesizers from scratch i built the synthesizer and i love this one from scratch we started with a sine wave mm-hmm. and just like wow. built up from there Holy shit. uh we yeah we can definitely talk about the um structure i could even like pull it up and break it down for you you could but, yeah um, we just won't know how to ask the right questions but yeah yeah you definitely could you definitely could, yeah. you definitely could. Yeah. <laughs> we get the whole produce- um, we need an engineering segment you know we got to get Tim yeah, in here for a yeah, spot yeah um I would say like another big influence uh, for my style would be um, like uh, early trap music. Mm. Um, I guess I, I would I, okay I would define like early as a uh, um, as like Migos, you know. And oh, I didn't listen to Migos a bunch. Um, yeah, that's not. Yeah, that's not <laughs> yeah, that's, they who, were, who was the OG? Like Ti. I guess like, so. Yeah, like of the old generation. Yeah. Ti. Yeah. Fucking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not that. Not that they stuff started, too much. Even two yeah. chains. Yeah. yeah right? Absolutely. Chains. Yeah, absolutely. Two, two chains. Definitely. Definitely. Um, but like uh, I, the reason I say Migos is because you have a very uh, atmospheric energy um, mixed with uh, a, a, a percussion pattern that mm. doesn't really seem at 
first glance to want to work with that. Um, and okay. you know, after Migos, um, like listening to some stuff off of uh, Kendrick Lamar's "Damn," um, James that, loves that one. That, yeah, that that like. Oh, oh my gosh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm more of like a, a pimp, I'm like a to pimp a butterfly guy. I am too. Uh, but yeah, damn, no, damn, sorry, I'm a good actor. kid guy. I'm a good kid guy. Uh, oh, word, okay. Yeah, 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 we, we got, got the array. Look at all three. Uh huh. Cool. Um, but yeah, hearing 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 that stuff from Migos and uh, Kendrick Lamar also kind of affirmed to me. Okay, uh, you can add uh, you can add very complex elements of musicality to hip hop, mm-hmm. um, and since there are not a lot of people making EDM around here that I can collaborate with, okay, let's take those elements that I appreciate, apply it to hip hop in some way. Yeah, and that's how it that's how it kind of came to be. I, uh, I, the music that I make on my own, um, I haven't like released an independent project yet, um, but uh, I would I would like to soon. <laughs> um, but you were the producing artists. and releasing on SoundCloud like in the past few years. Like you and I worked together yeah, back in yeah, the day, yeah, yeah. like on my first tape on demand. Shout out to yeah. if anybody remembers Cloud Surfing featuring Cumulo Nimbus. That was this guy right Whoa. here. That's it crazy. Was, it was man, was some old shit. That's it was mixed crazy, utterly man. terribly, uh, but it, man, it, it was, was it was a joy up. to make. I listened back to it and just like oh, yeah. oh. but <laughs> yeah. the potential was there. The potential was absolutely there. I think no bringing question. in those elements from other other spaces of art are exactly how music genres evolve and mm. develop into something new. And, yeah. and I think the artists as well develop into something new. Like, I feel like I've developed into a new artist through doing this project with Rory because he brought these new elements of not only sound and blending of genres, but the process of how he created too. Like he talks about the meticulous assist. Like I saw him splitting the hi-hats, you know, like piece by piece by piece so that it fits into the pocket and shit like that. So just being able to see that and bringing all those things to the table, I feel like, like I just said, can evolve the artist as well as the sound. And I think mm-hmm. it makes everybody better at the end of the day. Yeah, yeah. You- um, so I guess like to wrap up the uh, the question you initially asked me, I don't, I don't know, like these are, these are hallmarks of the music I make. All right, and mm. if eventually at some point some person can like hear a song that I release and go, oh, th- that's got to be that guy that's without even JL looking w. at the album cover mm. or like knowing who introduced it, like that would be that that would be a, a real victory to me. That would be very mm. affirming to me. We definitely go talk um, about the album cover of this, by the way, in a bit. But yeah, oh no question, yeah, that's a lit that. uh, that's a lit album. Cover. That, was <laughs> good. that was nuts. a good little project. Wait, can you send me that? You send me that. All right, I'll send it to you not. again. But you had another question, James. I'll, yeah, I'll do you have influences outside of music that you relate to a lot? Influence outside of music. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, when I'm, you know, normally when I'm writing, a, like when I do lyricism, uh, I actually sometimes call back to that non-secular music. Um, you're going to see like some, when, when you listen to this EP, you will hear a lot of uh, religious themes. And that's because, yes. not, not necessarily because um, I'm trying to like, we were joking about this before. Yeah, this is a, this is a Christian hip hop EP. <laughs> yeah, this is the <laughs> first, <laughs> about to go number one on the charts of the gospel <laughs> yeah, yeah, section. Yeah, no. Yeah, um, but I think I, I think there's like some uh, terminology uh, within the, the Old Testament uh, that's like very very universal. You know, uh, mm-hmm. Muhammad Ali said, you know, uh, religion is like a river; they all flow toward the same ocean. Mm. Um, and since those themes have been uh, expanded upon and are so culturally resonant, um, I find those to be themes that uh, are very are very easy to slip into music, and they can yep. uh, they can resonate with a lot more meaning than me just like talking about what I see. Uh, day to day, I've uh, even though like yeah, you know if, if you're point. it's true yeah if you're yeah if you're in a similar say like class position to me or if you know you're all you're all, like also a black man or you're, if you uh, also um, 
I don't know, like just do do something that I do that I'm rapping about. Okay, that's great. Right. That you sure you can relate to that. But I feel like um, huh. the the religious themes kind of um, elevate uh, to elevate the music to a somewhat uh, larger common experience. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're commenting on something bigger than just you. It's like, here, you can reach this yeah, ethereal yeah. dimension that we all kind of relate to, like, in uh-huh. some sense. I feel that where, uh, I, I feel what you just said kind of made a lot of things click to me, because I'm not, like, a really religious person at all. I believe in, like, believing and that type of shit, but I relate to connecting the religious word. Like, I notice I talk about angels a lot, like, or heavenly uh-huh. things, right? Like, those type of words that will expand your mind past just physical reality, the things that will take you out into something greater. And I guess just because religion is so omnipresent in our society that even if you are not religious, religion's kind of the closest thing in American Western society, at least, that taps into spirituality on a grander exactly. scale. Yeah. So it gives you something mm-hmm. to attach to, at least. Yeah. Uh, I would say a couple other influences. Um, uh, I think this, this second one would be, um, yeah, the second one would probably be pertinent to uh, lyricism, but ju- just history. Uh, and the stories that you can find in history, um, you know, I, I, I come from a, I come from like an immigrant background, uh, so like learning where I came from was very important to me. I learned a lot about my family history on, uh, you know, both sides. Mm-hmm. And in the United States, a lot of us are kind of removed um, from. How do I say this? Uh, well, not, not just a political violence, but um, I'd say. Uh, just uh, a, a common experience uh, that is relevant to social change. Mm. I'm not. I'm not necessarily sure how to word this. I suppose. I suppose that um, stories where a person's uh, life can have an effect or be affected by a, a much uh, like by the the larger machinations of history. Those are very, very, mm. very interesting to me. So I will. Uh, often write about imperialism. I'll often write about uh, race in America. Um, I'll often write about. Um, I'll sometimes like write stories mm. um, that are a bit more, you know, like es- esoteric or inf- influenced by magical realism, uh, as they pertain to um, uh, history and you know my experience through class and race and gender and et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and I think that's a cool thing about uh, contemporary music because, you know, a, a lot of people are doing that. Um, I don't want to uh, overplay it uh, or use it, like, cynically. And right. that's, that's, kind of a, that's kind of a line I think everybody who does that uh, needs to, like, or, or at least, like, should try to consider it carefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why is that? And, sorry? And why is that? Why do you think that's the line that should be wary of? Well, this is really interesting because we have seen um, identity politics be used incredibly cynically by corporations and by mm. our current political administration interesting. Uh, to, 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 to placate people. Well, we could not talk to, about like the last month, them. right? Like, yeah. Bro, Juneteenth will change their, their, their yeah. logo to match whatever the trend At is. Pride like, Month, Juneteenth, yeah. all of that. Yeah, where are all those pride logos? Right, where 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 are all instantly those gone? Go? Right, where's July first? Right, where what happened to the flag with the chains breaking? Like it's yeah. it's gone now. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Nowhere, nowhere to be seen. Mm. Um, so if if you if you choose to do that because it's you know um, because it just seems because it just seems expedient, then I I think you're not only like doing the people affected by those issues disservice, mm. you're also doing music disservice mm. uh, because like. Come on, 
Where, where, where did it come from? You should, you, should right. not be, you should not be just selling this stuff for the sake of selling it. If it resonates with you, it doesn't need to be like the most meaningful thing on the planet. Yeah. But just try, try to make it genuine. It sounds mm. like, you know yeah, like you use music as a chance to just reflect on anything contextual to society. And when you reflect with bias, it's not really giving you a chance to come up with a true opinion yeah. on it, right? right. So, yeah. I, so I see what you're saying when you... When you start to analyze these different things in society. That's, you kind of be got to be like genuine to mm. yourself first. Yes. But that's interesting yeah. you just said that cuz I don't even think of my songs as my opinion, right? Like I don't mm. think of it as a thought or as an opinion. I do think it represents me and it is parts of me, but it's more like this just kind of is a part of me that is not a definite thing. It's kind of this ethereal thing you can connect with, but it's not everything. And it doesn't it's certainly not the whole story. One song is not the entire story of me or my creations or everything that I'm writing. But that kind of relates to th something I just thought about earlier in the week where like music, I do feel like is my mind, the ethereal part. And then things like this in the podcast are the thoughts or how it's physically translated. So this mm. I would say is more, if you want to know like something definite about my personality or about what I think or my opinions, you'd come to something like this, but through the creations, that's kind of just this, here's what I've taken from the experience in, in interacting with it on a physical, metaphysical, all of these mental, emotional realms that you have, and then putting it over a beat, and let's see what you can, what you take from it. Do you think the same yeah. with like film, James? Is that similar? Um. Yeah, definitely. I feel like very, very much so because there's a lot of elements in in film. Um. So to to try to not put my own thoughts or opinions into those is mm -hmm. almost impossible, you know, to have that many different moving parts and not have something that right. is personal to me in any of those is uh, damn near impossible. Yeah, that, that's a medium that, like, uh, you know, it just has every sort of sen sensory stimulus. Yes. You know, I'm, I'm yes. I mean, until they figure out how to add smell in a movie, it's probably not really <laughs> I've been I, to a yeah, SpongeBob there movie. Are there are, are like 5D what? movie theaters where it's like, yeah, they put the smell in the air, the chair's moving. Like, oh yeah. my God. Yeah, what yeah, the yeah, fuck? Yeah. That shit's nuts. A full sensory experience of media, dude. That's yeah. nuts. I think or Spy Kids 4 was that, and they had like a little scratch coupon that you had to scratch. There was a Spy Kids like, 4? Oh, yeah. Oh, there was like seven. Was there was one after the video game one. Yes. Yeah. Uh -oh. It was, it was Spy Kids 40. Man, yuck. I don't know. You ever feel like Shark Boy and Lava Girl was like yeah. a spiritual successor to those movies? I I always mix them up. They're uh, the, maybe the same like dude. All the the mid-aught shit. The director of is. Of course uh, it was. Of but course. did it come Robert before Rodriguez. or after? Did it come before or after Spy Kids? After. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was yeah. trash. I think his three-year-old daughter literally <laughs> drew that picture and the story, and he's like, yo, I'm going to make this into a that's movie. That's cute. That's really It's cute. cute. Oh, that's it adorable. is cute, but it was just really bad. That nice director origin. is actually very well-renowned because he uses good. the stuff around him. Um, he's like uh -huh. a very low-budget filmmaker, but he uses nice. it so well that he gets a lot of respect, and he's actually directing the next season of The Mandalorian. Oh, oh shit! Okay, damn. bring him back. Really Let's go. Shout him out. Let's sure we'll get him on the Robert pod. Rodriguez. He's one yeah. of the best Mexican directors. All right. Oh, yeah, come to come on the pod, Rodriguez. Yeah, absolutely. Please do, please. Yeah. <laughs> it is interesting all that stuff you just said, James, about like how you can't get away. And Rory, it's perfect that you brought up the um, the stimular stimular this yeah. stimulation <laughs> sensory, sensory experience, the sensory like, stimulation yeah. of it. Because yeah. I was thinking that like I, maybe music you can get away with it more because it you don't have that 
visual aspect unless you're watching like a music yeah, video. Yeah, your brain will do the work for exactly. you. Exactly. You know? it like if, 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 you know. if a picture needs to be painted, your, your brain will do it. It's like listening, listening to yeah. a podcast. Like you kind of just imagine the faces of the people saying something <gasps> like right now if you're just yeah. listening to it. Yeah. I wonder <laughs> what people think we look like. Holy shit. That's what I'm saying. If they've never Bro, seen us. we are us. so handsome. <laughs> yeah. 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 Right are so we, That's yeah. a baseline. Yeah. yeah. That's a baseline. You're all incredible. I wonder that all the time because I think about like if people have heard the music or heard the podcast, what do they think I sound like? Because I don't know. I've yeah. heard people say it that, like when I speak that they weren't expecting me to sound that way. I don't know what that means. It's probably some race shit or, you know. Oh, and yeah, I definitely. Just, it's definitely some race <laughs> yeah. shit. So I wonder who do you picture when you hear this voice? And that's that just kind of cool. It adds to the yeah. experience of the medium, which is what like I think is what gives audio. It's this like magical yeah. uh, aspect to it. To our listeners, can you go ahead and draw some pictures and show us <laughs> oh, your yeah, Instagram? What you think uh, we look like? Oh That'd, be awesome. That'd be awesome. That so would be cool. pretty dope. <laughs> Please, oh, that would be fucking hilarious. Please send, send yeah, send me those pictures. Um, send them directly oh uh, my to my God. address at seven. Bleep Jesus that. Christ! <laughs> yeah, what like, are you oh doing? Like what the hell? You trying to get some more squatters in your basement? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need some roommates. <laughs> yeah, we're starting a tenants union. We need some muscle. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, dude, that is ridiculous. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's good. So that, <laughs> I was, I'm just looking here more. I'm like things about the central HDP itself, and you talked about the religious theme thing, which was cool. I definitely wanted to know about that and where that was coming from. There was one line you had. Go, James. What you say? Uh, I got the picture that you sent me. Oh, yeah. You want to talk the cover? Uh, okay, it looks like cover, Dark yo. Scissor, you know? And dark Scissor. <laughs> oh, yeah. Ah! She, oh, that's <laughs> sick. That's sick. Yo. We got to get it out to it. Yeah. That's perfect. Well, because that's another part of Rory's creative life is his photography, a spirit, a spiritus photography. Did I say that correctly? Yes, sir. And I know yes, that. I, I don't know how long you've been doing it, but I know you've been doing it for a while. And it's, it seems to me it's uh-huh. been like something you have really invested in and definitely developed in and connected with. So with photography, and then we'll get into the specific cover of Central Heat in a second, mm-hmm. but how did that come about, and where did your interest lie there? Okay, well, uh, I'll, I'll, give you, I'll give you the story that I always tell people. Um, that I uh, Actually, I can start a little bit further back. All like, right, we get the exclusive. Forever. You were born I was like on. In, I was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, the stork uh, dropped me off. At a, uh, in fourth grade, <laughs> I got like a little Kodak for Christmas, uh, and I would bring that shit everywhere. I would like shoot everything I saw, and that was kind of like the foundation because... You know, if you are in a in a situation uh, where you kind of feel like superfluous, like at a protest where there's not much going on, or like if you're just mm. like on vacation and you're like, well, I mean, I didn't plan to do anything today, or if you're just uh, or if you're just at home and you got a camera and you're like, yeah, man, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful day out. The sun's really nice. Like you can go out and enjoy it, sure, but that camera always gives you something to do because there's always always something to capture visually. And freezing a moment in time is something that your brain does not really. Uh, allow you to do except in the abstract sense and mm. so that's that's why i love photography because oh. it always it always it can always ground you mm. right um the first the when i started really getting into it i was in uh high school and i was working for the school newspaper and there was this girl named rosie shout out I had such a big crush on you. Uh, that's why I started doing photography. Whoa. She wasn't interested, but I found myself so interested in photography. So wow. it was a total Thanks, Rosie. Hope she's doing well. She's a fantastic She was like your gateway drug into photography. Yeah, let, let's not. Let's not call her. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should bleep her last name, too. I'm oh, yeah, absolutely. Information. Maybe bleep <laughs> yeah, the whole get name. Rid of, Maybe, yeah. yeah, just bleep the whole fucking name. Um, but shout out. But, uh, but yeah, like I discovered I had a genuine interest in this shit. Um, and so... Um, 
I you know started started carrying my camera around more like I was I was I always had my camera with me in uh, high school and like my early college days I would like ask to like shoot some people I'd say hey I kind of want to build a portfolio do you want to hang out do you want to shoot um, and uh, through that I was able to start doing headshots for actors because mm-hmm. I was in um, I was in their theater program and so that was the first way I started making money and I realized oh shit there's a demand for something well if I market myself I should be able to get some contracts right. Um, and so I was able to get like a few, a few freelance gigs every year and it was nice to have some, uh, money and it allowed me to invest more into my photography. Um, and as, uh, I, my photography has progressed, I've done a lot of portraiture, but, uh, the concept for this album cover has, uh, is the result of sort of a a new wave of interest for me in surrealism. Mm. Uh, and, uh, uh, more, more experimental uh, photography. Uh, I'd say my two biggest influences on this album cover would be Roger Ballin and um, Zanislaw um, Branowski. He's he's Polish. It's very hard to pronounce uh, yeah, the name. Uh, Zanislaw. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I'll I'll look it up later. Um, yeah, it's all good. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I apologize to any Poles listening to this podcast. Uh, Russia and Germany put you through to them so much. You know, we sh- we shouldn't have to put you through anything here. <laughs> now, I um, okay. these two artists are very different people. One is an American living in South Africa. Another is a Polish man who um, grew up uh, you know, during the German occupation mm. of uh, Poland. And the imagery that they produce uh, is incredibly harrowing. It's uh, it violates so many of the conventions uh, that you would normally apply to photographs, mm-hmm. such as like the rule of thirds, um, you know, soft focus outside of your subject. A lot a lot of times they throw that out the window and they focus on very sharp and rigid structures. They use a lot of black and white photography, mm-hmm. and uh, there's this kind of uh, rigidity and and sometimes uh, like. Uh, uh, this very disconcerting lack of balance in their photos that's extremely engaging. Hmm. And that's what I wanted to apply to this uh, album cover. Um, I also like using masks. I've been using masks in my photography yeah. a lot lately um, because I think that a, a face is a face is very expressive and that can be a very good thing. Uh, however, it, it can draw a disproportionate amount of attention hmm. uh, if you're trying to have that subject be part of a larger whole Mm. so on our ep cover when you take a look at it it's a huge array of speakers uh behind us and a keyboard uh yeah and a keyboard (laughs) yeah and we're uh we're crouching in front of it um doing a little bit of a slav squat in all black shout out to zanislav yeah which by the way (laughs) means free spirit visionary and highly attractive yeah yeah i do not believe i believe i do not believe it is stanislav but each i know zanislav that's what i thought you said yeah, no, no worries. I'll, I'll look it up. We should, we should, we should, we should call him. <laughs> it later. doesn't matter. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. I just wanted to throw that in. Yeah. <laughs> Keep going. All right, all right. So, um, uh, we're also wearing, um, we're also wearing masks. Like we got fabric tied up over our yeah. heads, um, because I wanted to draw attention to like not, not necessarily like ourselves, just, just uh, the larger, the larger image, mm. and I, I think. I think it draws. I think it draws the eye a little bit more than if it was just us sitting in front of those speakers. 
I think uh, because so it is. I agree. It's a little bit. It's a little bit disconcerting. Yeah. It seems a little bit off. It's a little creepy. And it makes and it, yeah, and it makes you a little bit intrigued. Right. Uh, because you want to know what's behind those masks, and you want to know what those fellas are coming. What are they listening to? What do they oh. look like? What are they listening to? Uh, yeah, I'm looking at yeah. Roger Ballin's, uh photos right now, and they yeah. are eerie. They're very eerie. They're so dark, and um, I fuck with horror. Like I love horror. That's probably my favorite genre. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think there's something within our mind that kind of pulls us so far away from the dark, scary stuff for some reason. Right. When mm-hmm. it could be the truest things, truest ideas that we have or the truest expression of emotion that we have. Mm-hmm. So um, it's cool seeing photography get to that mm-hmm. where it reaches yeah. those parts where it's like, yeah. you may not want to look, because photography is something that you have to look at, right? It's a visual, it's a uh, purely yeah. visual medium. No audio or anything. So um, seeing it, seeing an artist just put something in front of you that's like mm-hmm. look at this i made this mm. stare at it feel look weird. at it take it feel in fucking yeah. weird look at this for as long yeah. as possible yeah that's I all like, and i do that. get that vibe from this cover like i look at it and i like kind of feel weird like while i'm looking at it not just because i'm in it but like as a cover but weird as in oh it is drawing me in. like are they getting hung like what's going on what are the speakers yeah, all about uh-huh. what's that fucking ghost shit or it's r2d2 and shit on the back uh what's it called wallpaper also it should be known rory gave that whole description without looking at the picture by the way i've been looking at it this I was whole not time looking at the picture. words but he did that oh wow holy shit oh wow yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> but and explain people i don't even think they can see this but we have a cloth tied between us or like a curtain. yeah i'm glad that kind of disappeared what was that? but I, at the same time i all okay seriously it it was not it was not planned um i was gonna i had like a very large black piece of fabric i was gonna use for another shoot yeah and i could have cut it into two pieces but I, I really needed to have that full piece of fabric so we we both like did this weird ass dance where we kind of needed to like <laughs> we kind of needed to like tie up my head in one and then tie up his head in the other end and have another have a bit of slack between like us. loop between our shirts we were yeah it was very nice it is you can kind of see it like at the bottom where we're squatting like it kind of forms a little uh like it fills uh, in the black space in the bottom between us which is kind of nice so i think uh, it actually did come out pretty cool it's a little subtle like you can see a little bit of shadow hanging above the ground yeah. from it so that's kind of cool but otherwise it was just like yeah. what are we doing here <laughs> it's like oh, those kids we go sh- yeah before we go on, uh, I got I got this I got this Polish photographer's name, Zdzislaw uh, Bekszynski. Zdzislaw. Zdzislaw. Some Pole will probably will probably. How do you spell the How do you spell the first name? It's Z. Man, there's no way I'm pronouncing this correctly. Z D Z G D Z L A W G D Z I S L A W. All right, Bekszynski is B E K S I N S K I, and he's also a painter. He's a multimedia oh, yeah. visual artist. You've probably seen some of his work before, but his photography is uh, utterly fantastic. It was the first time he delved into the uh, uh, visual arts, um, and yeah, that was a very he is, was a very deep influence on me. He was the first one that came up just from Zidish Law, so I guess there aren't too many yeah. famous Zidish Laws out there. Thank God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's tough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to know what it means, though. Like, we found the last one. I want to know if this means, like, princely, you know? Or yeah, figure it out. Glory. Oh, I was close. <laughs> hey, nice. It means glory. Okay. I bought all these names mean all oh, that I've shit. Oh, I've definitely seen this man's paintings. Yeah, yeah, oh, wow. yeah, yeah. You've seen his work before. Um, he, he, uh, He's also a painter, and he makes some of, like, the most d- disturbing imagery I've ever seen, Yikes. like, in, in my entire life. Um, and you know what? There's something that's funny about him is that even though you see a lot of imagery that you would assume 
uh, is relevant or inspired by his experiences mm-hmm. as a child during World War II, uh, his, it was actually incredibly irritating to him uh, when people would ask him uh, about you know, what his work meant or what he's trying to communicate through it. Right. And he would usually say something along the lines of, it's, it, speaks, it speaks for itself. What you see is what you get. Mm. What does it? Uh, what does what does it say to you? You shouldn't right. you shouldn't try to read into this, mm-hmm. and I, I find that to be a incredibly powerful. Uh, someone who would also find that incredibly powerful was Salvador Dali. Interesting yeah. bit of trivia: when people would ask him what his work was about, he would take out a pistol and fire a blank directly into the questioner's face. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I like that statement. I like that. What does your work mean? Everyone during that gun. time had guns. Yeah. <laughs> I, th- I do find that perspective interesting, and I do respect it from like a creative standpoint. I usually take mm-hmm. the perspective of I am putting something of me in it, like my perspective in it, but that doesn't mean it's the full answer. So you still look at it and take what you want, and then we can have this exchange, but I do feel like there is something from my side to be explained, or at least yeah. to be given, for you to consider as well, before you, whether before or after you dive in. You should acknowledge that, yeah, I am commenting too. I think there's definitely uh, people who kind of just... If they get that explanation or if they get the word from the artist, they take that as yeah. this is the only way it can be interpreted. This is right. the truth. When really, yeah. I feel like every artist, when they put it out, they know that no matter what, it's going to be uh, perceived in different ways by everyone who sees yeah. it or hears I was, it. Yeah. I was thinking about, uh, I was listening to a song from, her, you know, y'all know her, uh, a couple no, years ago. She, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't remember when it came <laughs> out, but uh, she put out a song called 21. And it was about her turning 21 and like what her life was about. And it, like oh. she had like mentioned Abu Dhabi in it. Like she had talked like just being 21. And I thought about me being 21 and shit. So it's like, obviously, you're getting like you just said, James, if you, especially if you center it around um, a time space that someone's been through, they're going to have a different interpretation on what the story is about, which it should. That's how it grows. And that's honestly how it lives forever is people put their own interpretation on it and it sticks with them for a long time. And then they pass it on. Word of mouth spreads the song and the creation, the idea just plants more seeds to grow that are all connected in this large ethereal forest, James. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. To that. Oh, I love it. Okay. Let's see. So let's go on to another um, creative section of Rory's life. Cause this guy's very multifaceted. He does a lot of things. And I want to talk about the writing you do and writing in terms of like interviewing articles. Uh, I know you've done it uh, with Wally's oh, Cafe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know yeah, you write for yeah. the Boston Compass involved with Dorchester Art Project. So how did that uh-huh. actually get started and what's your involvement with that? All right. Well, um, I, I came across a Dorchester Art Project, uh, the Boston Hassle and a couple other, um, you know, uh, 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 artist institutions in Boston because I was very uh, disillusioned with my... Uh, participation in theater i acted professionally for about three years Mm. um uh doing like live theater um and i and i and i excelled at it i enjoyed it and i was you know i was i was uh, decently good at it i also did sound design for theaters which is how i tried to like uh keep myself uh, attached to you know my my music production and my uh you know amateur audio engineering um, but I found that, you know, the industry was very insular. It's, it's, it's hard to get into and it's, um, I don't know. It has, it has a lot of, it has a lot of imi- limitations simply because it was the demand for it doesn't exist as it once did. Uh, you have a lot of competing mediums, you know, uh, you, 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 you 
goddamn modern film majors you you took away our audience <laughs> uh, because film is obviously just a much more stimulating experience right. and can be much more dynamic simply because of, of what it is and a low more key, accessible i was about to say low key yeah, yeah, easier exactly. to make yeah. than a good play uh, making a good yes, film is more exactly, easy exactly exactly right cuz there's a, there's a higher bar for engagement at this point mm-hmm. so like to make good engaging theater um you need to i mean first off you need you need to choose your audience like, right. and it's not unique to uh to theater um but you know um you can you can notice when a play is off uh, a little bit more than you can notice when like a piece of music or uh, when a piece yeah. of film is. Also, off. there's no TikTok um, for theater, right? Like there is a level of engagement oh, of TikTok that is short my form friend, content. There is a very large uh, TikTok theater community. No, no, no. Which no. I, I know there is actively chosen to learn nothing about. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I mean by that though is like within <laughs> theater and like plays, like a play is a play in film. There are levels of making video content, not saying down to TikTok, but I'm saying in terms of smaller size, uh, shorter form, shorter attention span type of content. So it's like you can make these different accessible levels of content and be succeed mm-hmm. in video and film more than I think in That theater. can be much more universally accessible than theater, yeah. yes, because you need to go somewhere for theater. Yeah. Uh, even if it's like an experimental project where it's like, okay, you're going to like wander through a space or like we're going to have a theater show like on a subway or something like that. Right. Um, uh, which are things I've, I've seen wow. done before, but um, that's I, not cool. I, it's a yeah, it's a it's a very interesting, interesting medium, uh, but it just I I needed I needed to do something else, right. you know, and so I came across Dorchester Art Project because this was a space that was incredibly accessible. Boston artists are very good at doing that, and I wouldn't say it's unique to Dorchester Art Project. You know, some people don't like to vibe with uh, that. A particular organization that's completely fine like people in people in boston are very 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 good self-starters and this was a space where i could just show up and go hey um y'all want anything done today and they'll go oh hey yeah please uh can you shoot some like some of the local artist merchandise so right. we can sell it at our store uh oh hey like uh we're giving out grants for writing uh, do you want to try writing an article and that was actually the first time that i um uh wrote for their publication the boston compass mm. uh the first writing project I ever did was for Wally's Jazz Club and Cafe. Shout it's out. It's a black-owned jazz institution. I, I'm relatively certain it's the oldest jazz club um, in, in New England. That is very possible. Um, All of New England? It, All of New England. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. Shout yeah, out Wally's. Yeah, shout out to Bring Wally's. Wally's. Absolutely wonderful institution. Um, it started in 1947, I believe. Gotcha. Uh, and it's been owned by the same family ever since. Um, and just it, it was very it was very interesting how i came across them because i heard of them before i even went to boston and that was one of my go-to spots when i wanted to you know go out after i turned 21 because you could just go in and there's always live music seven days yep. a week they're bumping it's absolutely amazing me and james uh, have been there we went together yeah yeah, yeah 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 um so one day I was out shooting with a friend of mine. Uh, they go by the name of JPix Belmer. Mm-hmm. All right, positively amazing photographer. Uh, check out the work uh, at either at Following Neighborhoods or at JPix J A Y P I X. Absolutely got to plug him. Cool, wonderful, wonderful yeah. worker. Uh, and he got this like amazing charisma. Uh, you know, uh, we were we were just walking down the street, and he said to me. Uh, hey, y'all, let's go talk to these people over here. We're going to go out in this alleyway and just chat. I want to see what's up with those. And then she, she just, like, broke down their entire project and their entire resume and, was and like, connected with these people I wouldn't have otherwise. And strangely enough, that person happens to be uh, Eleanor, 
uh, the person who owns Wally's Jazz Club. Oh, oh my goodness. my gosh. And so, and so she gave me her business card, and I was like, oh, I would love to come in here and, like, maybe shoot some photos for you. This was, like, mid-pandemic. I'm not entirely sure if they've uh, opened up again, but right. they were closed at the time. And I was, I was concerned, because this is an institution that survived so long mm-hmm. uh, and is... I mean, it's one of the last institutions of its kind. It's a strong is, black-owned business yeah. in Boston. It, it, and mind you, they don't just own the institution. They own the, the building that it's in. Right. Uh, and that that's it's so incredibly important. Mm-hmm. So uh, through some talking with uh, Eleanor, um, uh, she made it apparent that they're not going anywhere. Hey. Very <laughs> glad to hear that. So yeah. when uh, Dorchester Art Projects um, uh, presented me with the opportunity to write something, I said, okay, hey, I uh, happened to meet the person who owns Wally's. Uh, let me go in and do an interview. Uh, and so I think in either, either October or September 2020, uh, I went in, sat down with Eleanor, and we had a wonderful discussion about the history mm. of the institution. Um, and the, the, I mean, on its face, the, the most amazing part was just. Uh, having the opportunity to learn about this place, but since it, it is such an important institution, I learned a lot about the history of Boston as well. Mm-hmm. It intersects with so many things um, that uh, either A, you know, the black community has experienced, but also things that uh, the the uh, queer community has experienced. Uh, also things that um, some of the neighborhoods that intersected uh, with uh, South Boston uh, experienced. Uh, you know, she talks to me about... Um, this very, very, very large uh, grassroots protest movement that occurred in the 70s when they were thinking about building an interstate straight through a bunch of these neighborhoods. Right. Oh, man, that's the uh, worst. There was a, they use yeah, that strategy all the time. All the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. There was an enormous, enormous groundswell of, uh, of, of public opposition to this, and Wally's was a big part of that. Um, it, 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 we learned about, I learned about the relationship that they had with the, um, the owners of their uh, original uh, institution because they used to have Wally's uh, across the street. It was a little bit larger, um, but you know they moved. They moved across and they were able to buy property because of you know certain economic conditions. Uh, property became a little bit cheaper when Boston's uh, industrial base started to collapse. Mm-hmm. It collapsed a little bit earlier for um, uh, for black people in the city, Pre- really across America. Like people talk about the uh, like the destitution that came from the end of manufacturing, but it, it sort of came in waves. Like before, like in the '60s and early '70s, uh, that that was the start for a lot of the uh, like the black middle class, um, the black middle class's descent mm-hmm. into uh, poverty and greater immiseration. And it did hit uh, white people as well, and that's sort of what you saw with the collapse of the labor movement in the in the Reagan years. But like ju- just just through this interview, it gave me a very real and immediate context mm-hmm. for the, so many social movements and and like so many um, like so so many of the phenomena that affect people's day to day lives. Uh, yeah. And that experience was so great that it made me want to uh, just like just keep writing for him. So. Uh, I just have, uh, let me see, what have I done today? I started um, a regular column called uh, uh, The People's MFA. Uh, if you cool. don't know, the uh, Museum of Fine Arts is yeah. Boston's uh, most like forefront visual arts institution. It's a wonderful uh, museum to visit. Uh, but it can be somewhat inaccessible to people who perhaps uh, live pretty far away from the symphony hall area of boston it can be somewhat inaccessible for people who go there and do not see any artists who really look like them Mm -hmm. because it's it's i mean you know it's 
like most museums of its size. It is dominated by European art and stuff from the classical era. Right. Uh, they have a hallway dedicated to West African art. A hallway. Yay. That is all. That's all you have. And granted, quite honestly, maybe it's good that they only have a hallway because I would rather them not steal more I shit. I was just about to play <laughs> that, yeah. But, 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 but still, you, you know what I'm saying. Keep the uh, so artifacts used, where they're at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I used the title uh, The People's MFA uh, because I... Uh, wanted to call it murals for all mm. uh, and it's about uh, it's about uh, street artists muralists and graffiti artists in the city of Boston so I've been talking to a lot of people uh, such as uh, Rob Gibbs I got a video of him that I took like three months ago a really cool interview that I have to I gotta I gotta get on editing it's a it's a sound issue uh, but that'll that'll be out um, I have three articles um, with some people uh, mm-hmm. let me see who else, a gentleman named, uh, Super Sobek, that's the artist's name that he goes by, mm-hmm. uh, and he does, uh, a lot of work inside, uh, JP and Roxbury, mm-hmm. um, he participated in this sort of, um, community cleanup and, and, uh, art stimulus projects called the Sunflower Project, um, that involves taking some of the empty lots in the area, some of the unused land and services, and just filling it with art from local artists in the community. Right. Uh, and talking with these people and going to some of these events also gives you more context for the uh, society in which you live. And I think that uh, despite the official end of you know segregation, uh, economic injustice and economic inequality continue to be uh, the biggest things that define your culture, especially when you live in a city right. where uh, it's, it's geographic. Mm. Um, I think that there are a lot of people who live in places like Brighton or downtown or even some of the, I mean, Christ, it can happen within a neighborhood too. There, there, there are people who live in East Boston right on the waterfront when those brand new condos who have no fucking idea who lives down the street in Orient Heights. Mm. Right? Yeah. So by getting, getting context through these writing projects, um, it not only, uh, helps, uh, you know, people get access to this art, um, but you know, hopefully the people who read these articles and the people who enjoy them, yeah, uh, will also get a little bit of context for uh, the history and the current, uh, you know, the social phenomena that make this art what it is. Yeah, it's especially helpful that it's people that are literally right on the streets, like it's street artists, it's graffitiers, like it's people who deal with being in tune with what's going on on the ground. So they have seen all of these movements, all these developments, all these changes that you're talking about in real time, and not only in real time, documented it as it went. I'm sure some of those graffiti artists have things they did 10 years ago on a block that is completely changed now, you know, but maybe they have a picture from what it used to be, or maybe they have an image. Yeah, of what yeah, yeah, be. yeah. They all call back to uh, like other um, art, artist movements that happened at the time. They talk about how like the geography of Boston, the changing inf- infrastructure has affected their art. Yeah. Uh, I'd say, I've, according to uh, Sobek, who I talked to, um, the, the last really big um, graffiti or street art collective, whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it, um, was the African American and Latino Alliance? Gotcha. I believe that's what it's called, the ALA. Um, and they were really, really big in the '90s. And you can st- like there are only a couple of murals 
and uh, tags by them left in all the city. I've been struggling to find them. I really hope to someday. Mm, it's a hunt. Um, Let's go, baby. Yeah, yeah, I like yeah. that. Se secrets of the city. It's like yeah. when you play fucking Arkham City and you see the Batman symbols that you have to scan and you have to like, you know, that gives you the little collectibles yeah, later. You know, something that I wanted to do actually is like make a, a like a, a little map module where you could sort of browse this art um, yes. uh, from from your computer. So like if any if anybody like has database. that technical know-how, please let me know. I would, <laughs> I would love to put that yeah, like, dude. A little map key. So, up on um, the Boston Compass or Dorchester art, yeah. art Project site. This is the most I've heard from you about this side of your creative realm. And it's really cool. It's really interesting. And it sounds like it's real like journalistic and reporting in that sense. Have you thought about doing a podcast or adding an audio component to it? You obviously could speak about many topics and transition between them easily. Like you could do segments and do episodes and still interview these people in an audio form. Have you thought about that? Oh yeah, I've absolutely thought about it. Just never approached it before. I mean, like, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I don't know how consistent I'd be able to be. That's that's yeah. the issue. That's that's the issue with being like a multifaceted artist. Yeah. Like, that's what I admire about Tyler because he can do like fucking whatever and commit to it long term. It. Like me, uh, I'm I'm in the middle of like making this project, and I'm like, damn, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna try to read everything I can about Marx's labor theory of value. <laughs> even though, like it has fucking nothing to do with it. Like I'll commit to a weird project like that for two weeks and completely forget about right. it. Right. Well, it could be something that you do like with the written part, like maybe whenever you meet up with them to do, or do you convert the audio? You just mentioned that you were talking about something with audio. Do you convert the interview into audio? Yeah, that's the biggest challenge with Rob's Gibbs video. We had such a great uh, conversation. Rob Gibbs is, uh, I mean, he's my favorite muralist in Boston. No shades to anybody. But he's, yeah. he's, He's disciplined like a. Um, I hope he hears this. Yeah, same. Man, Share yeah, with him. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, he is uh, also founded a wonderful group called Artists for Humanity that works with young people trying to like uh, like jump uh, jumpstart uh, specialized skills. Mm. And that's where I had that interview with him. It's an amazing gallery filled with artists um, uh, who are teenagers in the city of Boston. Um, they also have like classes for coding, and they'll give oftentimes give these teens like, okay, here, like you're gonna do some work. Uh, we'll, we'll pay you a wage. Like, we'll pay you a wage to do that work, and it, it grounds people in being able to support themselves. Mm. And I think so much social alienation comes from uh, a society that it constantly tells you that, uh, no, you're on your own. Um, there's no social safety net. Uh, yeah. The net the net worth of your value is what you can produce, and if you don't have a skill, um, you're going to flip burgers. And guess what? Even though you're doing actual work and a bunch of people are buying those burgers, uh, we're just going to say that you uh, you are an unskilled laborer mm. who doesn't produce a lot of value for society. Mm. And so when you give somebody a, a marketable skill, I mean, I'm not really big on that like entrepreneurial, like uh, self-starter, make this bread lifestyle. <laughs> um, I, th I think that like real social, uh, like, economic justice comes from collective effort but but to mm. stop that social alienation and to help people support themselves in this society that is what it is it's incredibly important and when you start in on that uh with kids i mean yeah that's that's the prime of your social development yeah uh so i really think that's the way to do it definitely like looking that. to artists wow, yeah. uh, you're giving people early well. experience on making money from their art and like oh this is a viable yeah. thing because like you just said all those things about society saying you're a product of what you can create so how often have we all heard get a real job or like when okay yeah. now that's a great hobby you got like when are you gonna get a career right it's like well this is it if I want it to be like if I want to make it that it can be so that's cool that they're showing people early on yeah what you create can have value if you find you know the people that believe in it yeah. when you stop making something have, yeah. so unachievable it becomes a new realm for people to explore and like mm. it, it's so easy for us to get caught into the whole system of uh, nine to five that's that's the the normal life right 
So I think or it's even really like, cool. what's the difference between selling music and selling, you know, a, a fucking product that you created, right? Like it's yeah. and that one is looked on highly, more highly than the other. I would say like that entrepreneur lifestyle. I would say it gets more highlighted and promoted, especially nowadays, as opposed to if you said, yeah, I'm trying to make a music career because it's like, the, what's the difference between what I've created and now trying to find a base of people that believe it. In the creative world, we usually call it fan base. In the business world, you call it customers. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. Yeah. You find someone to invest in what you've got and you find how you can make that happen. I feel like the hustle is very similar. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Respect exactly. it, everybody. That's what I'm trying Let's to say. Respect it. <laughs> anyway, yeah. Any, yeah, anything from fucking like uh, making some beats to, you know, like, uh, like uh, I don't know, like starting like a little home cooking business or making a making an OnlyFans page. You get wow. that money. You yeah. Get that yeah. Money. yeah. Like, yeah. See, we're a very accepting <laughs> group here. Yeah, yeah, yeah.